0: So I was like, right, well, you know, actually, I'm not going to make a ton of money doing this, but I really enjoy it and I'm happy. And, and to me, that was that was kind of the moment for me when it clicked that actually it was more important to do something that you enjoy than to get lots of money. Are you searching for your ideal career, fed up of your daily grind, or simply want to hear some inspiring
1: stories? Then you've come to the right place, because it's time to do a job you love. It's time to get work savvy. Welcome to another episode of the Get Work Savvy podcast, the show that aims to provide you with tips, tricks and ideas to help you find or create a way in getting paid for what it is that you're passionate about. And over the weeks, months and years, we've been sharing with you The journeys of people who've been able to do just that. And this week is no different. We're going to be bringing you the story of Susan who shares with us the very low moments as well as the highs of being able to find a job that she can truly say she's passionate about. At various points we mention how Susan has some brilliant content on both LinkedIn and her YouTube channel so don't forget to check out both of those profiles as we've linked them in the show notes themselves. And I'm not going to keep you any further because Susan has got such a awesome story. And as I say, she shares with us so much wisdom and knowledge and experience, which hopefully you can take something away from. So without any further delay, let's hear more from Susan. Hi to Susan and welcome to the Get Work Savvy podcast. How are you doing today?
0: Yeah, I'm good. Thanks. Thanks for having me.
1: Oh, absolute pleasure and um, fantastic to actually speak to you, having followed you for a little while and uh, (laughs) seen your fabulous videos. Oh, thanks. But for the listener, could you just explain to us what you mean when we, um, we have your branding as the classification guru? Could you just give us an overview of what it is that you do?
0: Yeah, so a really simplistic generic term that I use is fixer of dirty data. So that gives people a sense of what I do. But in more detail, what that means is I work mainly with procurement departments, and they'll give me their spend data, which is normally from a finance system, and I will go through and classify everything that they've spent their money on. So if they've got lots of detail in their data, like pencil, paper, notebook, I can classify it to that level so that they can then do spend analytics on that. So then they can save money, they can negotiate better rates with their suppliers. They can even rationalise the number of suppliers that they have. You know, they might find out that they've got 20 suppliers for office supplies and stationery and they only need maybe two or three. So it it gives them that opportunity to to get and have greater visibility on their data.
1: Absolutely, fantastic. That's a brilliant way of uh, of describing it. I'm certainly a lot clearer, so thank you for that. Oh, great. But would I be right in saying that this wasn't necessarily something you wanted to do when you were growing up?
0: Oh, absolutely. In fact, um, I've never known what I've wanted to do when I grow up and still don't. You know, who knows what I'll be when I grow up. (laughs) And spent my 20s doing jobs that I thought I should be doing, rather than things that I actually really enjoyed. And it took me to my late 20s to realise that. I, I thought, I'd kind of decided I'm going to be a sales director by the time I'm 30. And I just decided that I didn't actually really even want to be that. And after spending, yeah, eight years in blue chip companies, um, I was like, no, this isn't for me, Um, but I don't know what I want to do. So I decided to open a clothes shop in Guildford, where I live, um, which was a huge thing. In fact, looking back, I can't believe I just had no fear. Took on this massive lease Sixty thousand pounds a year, cool. huge council rates, like twenty grand a year. You know, had done a business plan, figured out how many dresses I needed to sell a day, and in Guildford, you know, it's an affluent town; it was it was achievable. But I could not have prepared for the fact that Guildford is brand snobbish. So because it wasn't Hugo Boss or Calvin Klein or Chanel, people wouldn't come in. Mm. So I spent about eight months doing that. And by this point, yeah, I'd been self-employed or had my own business for nearly a year. And I just, I knew that going back to a corporate world just wasn't for me, but I didn't know what I wanted to do or what I could do. But also I was, you know, had run up so much debt from the shop and I needed to go bankrupt. So I just needed a job. I needed anything. And I went on Gumtree and found an ad for some data classification, data entry work in Guildford. Well, it was online. And I thought, well, you know, I can do this. Um, you know, it's money's not great, but it'll pay the bills. And, and that's where I fell into the data world, really, and, and how I ended up becoming the classification guru.
1: Absolutely fascinating. And I must applaud you for figuring out that you wanted to give something a go. And and even though, you know, some people might wince at the idea of of taking on that big project, but you you had that vision and, and you went for it and it didn't work out, but it's led you to where you are today. So really, really um fascinating to hear that and thank you for sharing that.
0: Thanks. I think um my my attitude is definitely what's the worst that can happen. So and I am very like, well, I say fortunate, you know, I rent a flat. I don't have any family. So I didn't have anything to lose by trying.
1: Mm. I think that's the the risk, isn't it? If you've got those commitments, you do have to protect yourself from that.
0: Yeah, but also on the flip side, I live on my own too. So I don't have a partner to fall back on. Mm. It's just me. So true. sometimes I feel like I do have to work extra hard.
1: <laughs> yeah. So yeah, you don't have that risk in that sense, but equally. Yeah,
0: there's no backup. It is yeah. all
1: on you <laughs> as yeah. well. So yeah, no, very, very good point there. You Found that next opportunity on, on Gumtree. That's not somewhere I'd naturally go to look. So, how did that come about? Was it just you were looking anywhere and everywhere for opportunities, or
0: that is exactly it you know, um, job sites, um, yeah, and ads on Gumtree, uh, yeah, just, just job boards, notice boards, anything.
1: And what like you just needed to pay the bills, there wasn't anything that, that really kind of caught your attention. You just thought, no, yeah, it will do, and I'll find something else. I-
0: so, so desperate I just needed a job it was it was that bad but also ironically I had to save up to go bankrupt so it, it cost about 650 pounds okay right. so I, I couldn't afford to go bankrupt for about six or eight months after that I had to save up
1: I had no idea that it cost yeah
0: you... yeah it's crazy um I guess it, it puts people who aren't serious it will put them off and um, but for people who are genuinely in trouble it, yeah it's tough hmm.
1: so I mean, for for the listener, you know, hopefully people aren't in this situation. But mm. what I mean, to me, bankruptcy just means that kind of you're declaring that, you know, it's games over. Like there's there's nothing in the coffers. Yeah. But what does it really mean and how does that really affect you?
0: Um, well, it, it's it's the biggest, best thing I, I have ever done. Mm. Um, overnight, the weight was just lifted. Um, the the calls from all the different debt agencies and the supplier stopped the letter stopped you know I had a piece of paper and a reference number that I could quote so that they would stop harassing me mm-hmm. and you know just having to live with that on a daily basis I mean there will be people listening who are going through that and it's so draining and so so destroying um, and for me it was a huge weight and I didn't you know I didn't care that My credit record was going to be ruined for years. I had all my debts written off. The only thing they don't write off is your student loan. Right. So I still, I could defer that until I could afford to pay it. Mm, Yeah. Um, And I was very lucky that they didn't take my pension. They let me keep that. So I was was fortunate in that sense. Mm. Um, But yeah, it's, yeah, that constant worry just went. Mm. And I felt like I could move on.
1: So... Did did that make it difficult to then when you, so you were able to get a job, but did that kind of have any impacts on, on your kind of financial situation?
0: So quite fortunately it was a contractor role. So I became self-employed Okay. and the, I, you know, I was upfront about my situation to the guy that had the company. He didn't, he didn't mind, you know, he, he had a lot of experience that would be good for, for the job. So, so that didn't bother him.
1: Mm. I suppose that that can be the, the stigmatism mechanic kind of, like that people would would perhaps not take a chance on you.
0: Yeah, there's I definitely since then have applied for, you know, when I first started this business I was also temping and working and sometimes they do ask questions about bankruptcy and things like that. So, you know, it it stays with you for a long time.
1: Mm. Well, you've overcome that, so that's um that's fantastic. So let's talk about a little bit on how you moved from you, You got the job and you started working in in the world of classifications um yeah when did you know that it was it was for you and that it was actually something that you were quite passionate about
0: so very early on i thought it was easy to do (laughs) um and thought it was quite nice Mm. and i know that um i got i also got my friend a job a couple of months later working for them too and they had said to her, oh, she's so fast. We don't understand. And she, but she's, she's accurate. So at that point, I realized that maybe I was different to the other people. <laughs> um, I don't know. But I just had a natural ability for it. And, and I did enjoy it. And, but unfortunately, at that point, they were still quite a small growing business. So they couldn't give me full time work. So I had to take a six month contract and went to work for Wonderbra. Um, but I did keep um working for them in the evenings and weekends so it was a bit tough at times but but I, I kept that door a little bit open and Wonderbra didn't renew my contract so in the January when that came to an end um fortunately the business had grown so much that they said that they could give me full-time classification work so I was like right well you know actually I'm not going to make a ton of money doing this but I really enjoy it and I'm happy and and to me that was that was kind of the moment for me when it clicked that actually it was more important to do something that you enjoy than to get lots of money.
1: So total one eighty to kind of that twenty year old self. Where yeah,
0: yeah, it was all about the money and the um, position and the status, perception mm. and the status. And yeah, it wasn't any of that anymore.
1: So you you kind of had that contract not be renewed with Wonder and and then you started up. So mm-hmm. for people listening. If, if you're kind of entering a new business and you're you're thinking about, you know, how will I get clients? Could you just talk us through how that was for yourself? Was it quite an easy thing to...
0: I would say, don't do it my way. <laughs> That's for sure. I, I did this classification for this company for about five years and I was always behind the scenes doing this thing. So I didn't have any client-facing roles or connections with the clients. All I knew was they were a spend analytics company and that they dealt with procurement people. And when I decided to set up the business, um, I thought, right, well, I've got to target procurement people. That was literally all I knew. So with uh, some money I had saved up, I booked a booth at a procurement event. And this is where a lot of procurement people went. So I thought this will give me credibility. But basically, I started my business with not one single connection in procurement or data, which is absolutely the backwards way to do it. Um, if you speak to most business owners, they'll tell you that 90% of their business comes from referrals. Mm-hmm. So I, I've had a longer path to get to where I am. It's taken... A good two and a half years to build that network and that reputation and that awareness. You know what I'm doing and what I'm offering was is not really available as a standalone service before. Mm-hmm. So people didn't know to look for me. I had to make them aware I was out there. So yeah, if if you are thinking about setting up a business, you can absolutely do it my way, but you have to be strong, determined, and wait a very long time for it to to work out.
1: I think that's something that that a lot of people do is they they think oh if I if I just do the right things like like get a boo, it seemed like the the logical thing to do but it's like it's those connections isn't it and like you say the referrals is is quite a large proportion of of where your business comes from is that right
0: no it's not it's changing now but not in the beginning mm. and and my first client it took ten months to get that first client now I'm in a kind of service industries and consultancy side of things so that's kind of standard but I didn't know that and I wish someone had told me that because then I would I wouldn't have spent 10 months thinking oh is this, am I ever going to get a job is anything ever going to come in Um, have I done the right thing it would have just been a bit easier to to deal with that had I known it was going to take so long but I didn't know that so and I guess it took that long because I didn't have any connections so
1: so in your line of work then, is there any kind of pattern to a certain time of year that's more popular than than another? Or is it just as and when people
0: no.
1: require your services?
0: So yeah, it, it's very much that. So the first year, so I started in the June, I didn't have anything that year. And then the end of year one, I got my first lot of, of business. Um, so I was busy that whole summer. So that was two years ago. Last year, I had no work over the summer at all. I didn't know how I was going to pay my bills. It was awful. Um, it was really, really quiet, really bad. Um, although I know a lot of businesses that had said the same thing. And then again, this this summer, I, ha- I haven't stopped. You know, I'm desperate for a week off. Um, but, you know, that is such a great position to be in. And I'm very grateful for that. Um, but it, there's no pattern to it whatsoever.
1: I think that's um, something that that a lot of business owners share, isn't it? That it is... That kind of roller coaster of sometimes you'll be so busy you can't can't get enough time away for yeah. for having a, a breather, and then other times you're so desperate, <laughs> it's um,
0: yeah, yeah, and then you're you're so tired because you're so worried that you don't know where your next yeah project's coming from. And um, but I, I've got to be honest, I love it, and I wouldn't swap it for anything.
1: Absolutely fantastic. So looking back, then, what would you say your biggest challenge to get into where you are today is, or has been?
0: it would yeah it would be the, the 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 lack of network and connections to the industry and you know i didn't when when i left the previous company i then didn't hear from them once i'd left and i was really out there on my own yeah that was that was tough um but you just have to play through
1: i suppose was it a case of like the hairdresser kind of situation where if you leave a hairdressing salon then you leave that day and you're not allowed to talk to to anyone and and they're very protective of, of their oh, client list no. or was it just
0: I even stayed longer than my four weeks to help them out you know it was all ended on good terms and then I just just kind of didn't hear from them again <laughs> um I was like okay well that's I'm not going to get any help from anyone I'm just going to have to do this myself so I did
1: and how how did you do that so was it I know you're very active on LinkedIn was it that platform that helped you or or how did you grow your network?
0: Well, I am now. I mean, I did start, so when I first set up the business, I started finding procurement connections and, and adding them. But in the grand scheme of things, it was, you know, I think maybe this time last year, I had maybe like 1500 connections, but, and I was doing the odd post, but nothing, nothing consistent or with any kind of message. And in fact, until last summer, I didn't even know what my message was. I really struggled to find that right tone and message. As soon as I kind of hit on fixer of dirty data, that really kind of resonated with people. Um, but until that point, I was I was trying to be everything to everyone and and do. And then I, when I really niched in on the procurement specialism, that's when people really started to, and, and talk about that, that's when people really started to engage. So before that, it was really just... Um, events and a little bit of contacting people on LinkedIn but then about a year, just a year past April I started doing videos making posts um, how to guide uh, all those things that kind of by accident I'd found were lacking in my area um, and and that's just really taken off like this year has really really blown up for me it's been amazing I have to say.
1: So you stumbled across kind of those resources where where some clearly lacking and and people were interested in and would be useful. Um, And I think that's that's kind of a a really good approach, isn't it, for people if if they are perhaps just starting out thinking about how they can help people. Is that kind of the approach that you'd advise on, on giving?
0: Yeah. So I'd heard this quite a lot. Tell people how you can help them, not what you can do. And also, you know, talk to people, explain what you do as if you were telling a five year old, all those thing, kind of things. And and I just played around with the message and I think that's the thing with LinkedIn, like play around. Like some posts did really well, some didn't. So, you know, you know which tone to go with. Don't be afraid, you know. Who cares if only five people see your post? Nobody else knows that only five people have seen it apart from you, it doesn't matter. And they
1: could be the most important five people.
0: <laughs> well, you're onto something there, actually. It's definitely quality over quantity. There's a lot of LinkedIn people out there who have tens or hundreds of thousands of followers, but they're still heavily promoting their businesses, which says to me that the people who are following them aren't necessarily their clients. Hmm.
1: Yeah, I think there's a lot of, if I just do a land grab and try and connect with everybody, then oh yeah then that will make me more successful but that's not necessarily (laughs) the best idea because as you say it's not at all it's that quality over quantity isn't it
0: yeah and it's for me it's planting that seed in their mind so that when they do have a data problem in procurement they know exactly who to go to and that's working really well for me
1: fantastic and something that i'd like to to pick up with you as well because i think there's quite often, I think less and less so now with people being on the platform, but certainly if, if you'd spoke to somebody who wasn't on LinkedIn, there'd be that misconception of it was a stuffy business network. Whereas I know your content is is quite entertaining <laughs> as well as informative. So could you just talk a little bit about your decision to to go down that route?
0: Yeah, so, so I've been, I think I've been on LinkedIn since 2006. So it really was literally just an online CV at that point. And and then I didn't use it for a long time, not really. And then when I had my first business with the shop, I started to use it to kind of promote that. Then when I started this business, because I didn't work for a company, I felt like I was free to post Mm -hmm. whatever I wanted. So it started with little small things. Like I do a Friday post And, and it used to be until a couple of weeks ago, just like I make data awesome or I love data. So you don't have to. And it would just be a picture of me with those words. And I remember the first time I got a thousand views on a post like that. And I thought I'd hit the big time. I was like, wow, <laughs> this is amazing. And yeah, people just really loved it. And so then I started experimenting a little bit more. Again, you know, you, you have to not be afraid to try new things and also put yourself out there. Certainly not afraid to make a fool of myself. I've got my cardboard cut out of Robbie Williams. He makes appearances in my videos, <laughs> in my pictures. I have um, a data den now, which is um, like tinsel curtains. You now there's pink or blue or silver. Um, and I try to make data fun because it it's such a dry subject. People are scared of it and intimidated. And if we want more people to be engaged with data, then we need to make it more fun and more engaging and and more relatable so that's what I'm trying to do and you know the hardcore data people might say that you know I'm part of the problem I'm not part of the solution but if we don't get everybody engaged more in their data and it doesn't matter whether you're the receptionist or a manager or the CEO everybody should should be involved in the company's data and if I can do that by, by bringing a bit of fun to things, then yeah, why not?
1: Absolutely. I mean, my personal favourite is the boxing gloves.
0: Oh, this. I do like that one. Yeah.
1: <laughs> well, you're hitting away the, the issues. I love it. Yeah.
0: <laughs> and and literally, these ideas come to me like either just before I'm going to bed or first thing in the morning, or I'll be having a conversation with someone and they'll just give me um, some inspiration. And I'm like, yes, let's do it. <laughs>
1: I love that. So it's weird you mentioned that because something that I heard recently that, that kind of resonated with me was when so-called creative people are being asked to be creative, or you know, you're you're thinking about ideas for engaging like posts yeah. on LinkedIn or whatever it happens to be. Um, quite a lot of people do refer to to that being a good time when you're in the shower yeah. if you're doing something just really random and you just have an idea pop yeah. in your head and there's there's actually some science towards it about you you're just in that kind of meditated state yes. where you're doing that that task and it lets your brain just free up to to yeah. be creative and, and have those those more interesting ideas
0: or um i've also had uh, inspiration from my next door neighbors children so i also recently had a, had an animated video where i turn into the hulk okay <laughs> uh, that was that was their idea and and they are super super chuffed their idea is now an animated um, video so brought it to
1: life for them yeah yeah fantastic I I mean I I certainly love that and and I think being creative and it it just makes it makes people realize that you're a human being as well because like you said it's it's perhaps a, Mm. a duller subject that people perhaps try and stay away from
0: yeah and or it's for the elite the the mm. highly um skilled educated technical people and and it's actually for all of us
1: and and i think like one of the posts that you shared today was about there was a hospital that um yes th- that's going to be set back because because of, of an issue or something like that
0: yeah and that's not that's that's human error um and you know that will always exist there are things you can put in place to help prevent these errors or checking you know if you have regular data maintenance then you can check them so it definitely could have been prevented Mm. but not by someone in it it could be someone who works in the department you know if they are familiar with their data etc
1: yeah absolutely and it's you know, you're you're bringing the fun, but also providing a, a serious educational piece as well, and I think that's a a great balance to have. So so awesome, awesome effort yeah, on that. Where
0: am I going to go next? Who knows?
1: <laughs> Watch <laughs> this space. Yeah. Check out the links and uh, and certainly follow Susan great to
0: plans in in, in the works. <laughs> trust me.
1: Awesome. So, looking back over your journey and knowing where you are now, would you do anything differently?
0: No, I wouldn't actually, because all those horrible jobs I did that I didn't enjoy, they've all actually combined up to give me the experience that I needed to do what I'm doing now. So it's, um, I think Steve Jobs said, if if you look back on your life, you'll see it was a series of dots. And it's only, or, yeah, your life's a series of dots. It's only when you look back on it, you see how all the dots connect up, something like that. And that's so true for me. Everything that I've done up until has led up to this point.
1: Fantastic. Yeah. I, it's it's one of those questions that nine times out of 10, I get a no because it led me here and I'm super happy and maybe a bit faster or something like that, but yeah. no, really reassuring to hear. And I, I think that like for the listener, it is, you know, you might be going through some tough times and you, Susan's, she had some really difficult times that she's gone through, but it is that kind of you know riding the roller coaster, not being too low when it's low, but not being too high when it's high, and uh, and seeing where it all takes you.
0: And even yeah, it's even even when you are at your lowest and you feel like there is literally no let up and you don't know a way out, there, there's always a better day ahead and there's always a way out. And like for me, it was shutting the shop, admitting defeat, and going bankrupt. And for you, it might be something else, but there is there's always something around the corner even if it doesn't feel like it
1: so on the flip side then what would you say your proudest moment has been
0: oh oh um that's tough well actually there's some something happened today but i've been um had an offer to publish a book from a publisher
1: fantastic congratulations Um,
0: Thank you so that is pretty huge for me really massive um can't quite I only found out today so I'm still in a bit of shock actually um really exciting um not something that I had ever intended and actually that's another thing um in business or in life don't don't plan your whole life out because if you if you leave space to accept anything that comes your way then amazing things will happen so I would never have put myself down as as an author or writing a book um but it's it's actually going to happen so yeah that's what I'm most proud of and I guess just being able to say that actually I'm three years into my business and I've managed to keep it going
1: and I suppose would it be fair to say because you we said before the call like the taking on some hires as well
0: yeah yeah so I've yeah, I've got a team now, so you know to to be able to keep them in work would it will be amazing. Um, so I'm hoping that that will continue for the next few months. So we'll see. You know, it's not just about me anymore. I feel a responsibility to to make sure that they can work as well.
1: Absolutely awesome, and you know huge congratulations on the book and <laughs> these these things just come out, out the blue and um it's clear to see that somebody's recognized your hard work and
0: yeah and you know i did i put a lot of effort into the proposal and it's been you know peer reviewed so this is as is, is like I got a proper grilling. so yeah, this is this is really um yeah, I'm really proud of myself for that.
1: Awesome, awesome job. So moving nicely on, you kind of opened the door with with that announcement of of your book and congratulations once again with that. but are there any books out there that you'd recommend reading that have helped you um to kind of gain an insight or or any resources, podcasts, quotes that have helped you through perhaps some of the tougher times or given you some guidance to to where you've got to today?
0: Yeah so um, skills wise in my area there is literally nothing out there really that you can go and read that will help mm. you right now for anyway um, but watch the space <laughs> um, and, and I get asked that, that question on a regular basis so I kind of point people to my YouTube channel for some videos but I really need to do some more content for that mm. Um I, I'm not a massive reader which is ironic considering i'm about to to uh, (laughs) write a book but um in terms of podcasts i have tried to listen to business podcasts and i've I've never found one that i've really resonated with Mm -hmm. so i tend to listen to procurement related podcasts so there's world of procurement and procure tech and then i love to listen to podcasts that actually take me away from everything that's business related so um, I'm listening to a really good one at the moment called American Scandal mm-hmm. so and it but it is also business related so it covered the Enron scandal it covered the um, Rockefeller and the, the oil and the athletes doping so it Although it wasn't direct related to me running a business, it definitely um, gives you an insight on how not to do things.
1: <laughs> Fantastic. Another one, I don't know if you've heard of it, it's more political, but it's called Slow Burn. Oh, um, no. And it's about um, right the Watergate scandal as well. We- Oh, brilliant! it's it's really good listen so if you're you all the listeners are into into kind of listening to that kind of thing to get some insight into in some other worlds yeah. and how not to do things <laughs> yeah. then um i'll i'll try and link both of those up into the show notes as well because yeah um,
0: actually one more that's really really fantastic and really light-hearted um and it doesn't sound it but it's called criminal oh yeah and it's it have you listened to it
1: yeah great great effort. oh
0: the buddha one is my favorite <laughs> Um, but it's yeah, it's all stories about people who have broken the law for the right reasons, or are flouted with the law for the right reasons. Um, and if you have to only listen to one, listen to the Buddha one.
1: Great recommendation. Again, I'll, uh, I'll dig out the links for those and I'll add them to the show notes if you are interested um, in in diving into another podcast. Because clearly, you're going to listen to the end of this episode. <laughs> <laughs> but um fantastic. Thank you for for making those suggestions. In regards to your working world, then, yeah, are, you work at home. Is that correct? I, do. I
0: have worked at home for eight years, so lockdown for me hasn't been much of a change, except I'm chained to my desk even more, and actually, <laughs> I have less pajama days than I did before. Now I'm always on video, always have to have hair and makeup done. It's 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 a hard life. It's just not fair. <laughs>
1: I, yeah, I appreciate that. I was I was working home for like three years prior to, to everything changing, but like, yeah, people are more keen to get on video than they were before. so Yeah,
0: and before lockdown, I I was cut out a couple of times using Zoom where I didn't realise people wanted to use Zoom video, and I was like, mm. oh, my camera's not working. I was like, oh, I can't I can't <laughs> let you see me like this. Yeah. <laughs> actually, I think now, actually, months on, it's much more acceptable to not to not look perfect on camera anymore
1: yeah remember do, do you remember the the bbc world um interview yes. there was with the professional oh, and his children yeah <laughs> come and bombed and and yeah like the whole kind of if that happened now nobody blinking a batter an eyelid but
0: there was um on twitter a couple of months ago there was on in one day on two news channels there was um two separate interviews where kids just completely trashed the interview.
1: <laughs> love it <laughs> so when you're working at home then i think a lot of people are, are doing that now and especially if people are start thinking about starting a business that's based online yeah how do you have that work-life balance have you got any kind of tips for people who are, are perhaps just getting into it
0: i don't i'm terrible i'm so terrible <laughs> um no problem so because normally the work fluctuates when i'm working i'm working and then when it, i'm not working i you know will take lots of time out and do lots of nice things um but I am working really hard to try and, and get more of a balance I'm at, at the end of a, a big project I've got a couple of weeks left so it will be late nights and things but that's just what you do when you have a big project on people do that in regular jobs as well and mm. um, I think if you can work in a different room that really helps
1: yep definitely agree with that
0: and then and then move away from from that you know, set set your working hours and and when you're finished, you're finished.
1: Fantastic. No, I, I think that's um that's some sound advice. I know that if you if you aren't lucky enough to have that separate room, at least kind of shut the laptop down, <laughs> not yes. not have it looking at you. Um, if if that's the case, but yeah, no top tips there. I know that I think everyone's guilty of of perhaps having having as not a good a routine as as they perhaps could or, or should for myself is getting outside more <laughs> I just
0: definitely i need to absolutely do more of that as well
1: i know that i was speaking to a couple of my colleagues and i was like i've been outside but i just feel like i haven't properly been outside i've been to the bin or whatever but i haven't yeah. <laughs> like gone for a walk and or... i was
0: like walk to the supermarket or the garage yeah and that's it. <laughs> And then you're like, so, um, I'm so out of breath. I need to, <laughs> I need to do, I need to get back to the gym. Absolutely. <laughs> and then I'm like, I, like, you know, I did even try set my alarm for like six and try and get up and go to the gym before starting work, but it didn't really work out for me. <laughs> <laughs> no go.
1: <laughs> I'm the same. I'm, I'm absolutely the yeah. same. It's um, it's one of the things that I know I should do, but it's um, another thing actually putting it into practice. Yes. It's been absolutely fascinating um, speaking to you and obviously certainly check out Susan's uh, profile, which we'll we'll speak about shortly. But if somebody was intrigued into what it is that you do, is there any particular groups to follow? You mentioned a couple of great podcasts that you listen to um, or any kind of um, organisations or bodies to like perhaps have a look at to to think about if it's something that would pique their interest.
0: Uh, So LinkedIn is absolutely the best place to, to get the information the real kind of information you're looking for mm-hmm. there's articles there's discussions you can follow there's like procurement indirect procurement data technology hashtags Um, you know go and look at those and see what people are talking about go and find people that you want to connect with who are talking with those hashtags that's how I found a lot of my network in the early days Um, I mean there is Sips which is the like official body where you are certified if you're a procurement professional but honestly it's quite dry (laughs) you'll have a lot more fun if you engage on LinkedIn Mm. and you'll learn a lot more
1: absolutely and I think certainly checking out your profiles as well to see it brought to life in in a different manner and speaking of that
0: yeah um, yeah.
1: where where is the best people for for people to find you linkedin but where are your other profiles
0: so uh linkedin i'm susan walsh the classification guru Uh, there's also a business page um i've got my website theclassificationguru.com, and then i have my youtube channel the classification guru if you go to my website you can get links to my twitter my instagram my youtube um it's all there so that's, that's probably your easiest port of call.
1: Absolutely. Fantastic. So certainly check out Susan's profile, everyone. And there'll be links, as I keep mentioning, in the show notes. So certainly use those to, to just a click away to find in where you can um, connect and view Susan's fabulous work. Before we say goodbye, though, if you could offer the listener one piece of advice based on your experience so far to give them that motivation to find a job that they're passionate about, what would that be?
0: Try lots of things. Like get some temp. I know it's different times now and it's a bit harder, but try some temp work. Try some freelancer websites and do some jobs on there. You know, don't. It's it's much easier now. Like when I graduated, you ca- it was still a kind of a bit of a job for life kind mm. of expectation from parents and things. Whereas now, you know, it's like I think two and a half years is the average stay rate at a company. So try lots of things first and see what you enjoy and then then commit to it
1: absolutely amazing thank you so much for appearing on the get work savvy podcast susan thanks so much for having me it's been amazing catching up and we wish you well and all the success for the future
0: thanks very much
1: what a fascinating interview and i hope that you'd agree Susan is a phenomenal character and we're so lucky to have heard her story thanks once again to Susan for appearing on the show and it just leaves me to say if you are still listening and you're in that position perhaps where you think you're at your lowest and things can't get much worse and there's always a way out and there's always an opportunity for you to find your own way of getting work savvy whether that be you creating a business or finding a job that truly lights you up I'm sure in the darker moments where Susan was considering to file for bankruptcy she had no idea that she was about to step into a career that she'd truly love and make her own and I loved that last piece of advice she gave there about taking a chance and not necessarily settling and it's a message that we shared several times but I really do believe that if you're not necessarily happy in what it is that you're doing then you should start thinking about taking that next step or taking baby steps to learning a new skill to then move into a position where you can find something that you enjoy a lot more because in this day and age I truly believe that you can get work savvy and be paid for what it is you're passionate about. If you're still listening then I'd love for you to hit subscribe if you haven't already and why not check out one of the other interesting stories from a wide range of different professionals we've interviewed in the past and will be bringing you in the near future. Just leaves me to say as Susan mentioned in the episode try putting that next dot on the page for you to be able to join the dots up together and hopefully for you to look back on in many years time to find that you've got work savvy. So consider taking that chance if it's possible and getting out of your comfort zone to taking that next step on your journey. Until next time, take care, stay safe, and we'll speak soon.